When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hi, you have reached the Atlas Obscura podcast line. Leave me a message about a strange, unusual, or surprising place that happens to be near where you grew up or where you live now. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, I'm joined by a new member of the Atlas Obscura team, Manolo Morales. Hello, Dylan. Hi, Manolo. How are you? I'm really good. Manolo, you've taken up a, a particular task, yeah? I've been listening to all these voicemails that people have sent, um, and they basically talk about their wonders in their backyards. That's awesome. So the first voicemail you pulled is from Lori in New Westminster, Canada? Yes. And what made you choose this particular voicemail, Manolo? What, what grabbed you about it? I just love how much she's into her hometown. You know, she's... Mm-hmm automatically just gives us these two attractions that she loves and she doesn't even have to think about it. Hi, it's Laurie Williams calling from New Westminster, Canada. And we have uh, two surprising things in our town. One is the world's largest tin soldier. It sits on our waterfront uh, of the Fraser River and uh, it's uh, I'd say six stories tall, maybe. That's so much bigger than I expected. But it's big. (laughs) I'll tell you that. And the second thing we have is the statues from a very famous World War II photograph called Wait for Me, Daddy. Uh, This photograph, by the way, appeared in an issue of Life magazine, uh, 1941. And it's a picture showing a little boy... uh, breaking away from his mom as soldiers are walking down our main street and he's running for his daddy and his dad reached back his hand and uh, it's very historic and uh, it's probably our most famous uh, World War II picture in, in Canada. So there you go. Thanks very much and goodbye. That's nice. I don't get tired of hearing people talk about the little things in their towns that they love and bring them delight. And those are those are two nice ones. That uh the giant version of the toy, like the tin soldier, 
was bigger than I expected. Because <laughs> I was like, I was actually going to make some riff like, well, it's a toy. So like, you only have to increase it to like normal human size for it to be a giant version. Yeah, it's approximately 31 feet, which is like two giraffes stack <laughs> up together. Is this how you do most of your measurement in daily life? You're like, I give yeah. me like half a giraffe's worth. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. <laughs> okay, so there's this two giraffe tall tin man. Uh, but Laurie from New Westminster also mentions this other thing, this sculpture based on a photo taken during World War II. And it's this kid running after their dad. Right. That stuff hits totally different now that I have kids. Like it hits super different. You know, when you used to like watch like a movie with your parents and they would get all choked up when there's like a scene with like a kid and you were like, oh my God. It just, it just happens to you. You change in this way that you're not in control of. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a statue, but just even her description of it is, is oddly um, affecting, at least to this, this young parent. Uh. Okay, so uh, that is, is one, but I know you've got a, a few for me. So um, what do you have coming up next? Yeah, so the next one is Jan, and Jan is calling us from Massachusetts. Hi, my name's Jan Dumas. I live in Revere, Massachusetts. It's the home of the very first public beach in America. So, if you're interested in the start of the beach and the ocean being set aside for everyone to enjoy equally, you're going to have to come to a visit, Revere Beach. Bye. What? No, Jan, this is such a tease. This is like this is like the the billboard to the story, but not the story. What have why? Why that beach? How did it get made to, into a public beach? When did it get made into a public beach? I have almost every single question. I have every question except the fact that this is a public beach. Uh anyway, maybe you know Manolo. Do you know any of these things? To be honest, all I know is Coney Island. And that's like 10 miles away from me. A long F train ride for those that know about public transportation in New York City. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was such a thing as the first public beach. But apparently there is. And it actually opened in 1896. So there is this guy named Charles Elliott. He's an architect, landscaper. And he just wanted people to be more connected to Mother Nature. And he wanted to make sure that this was also a beach that was easily accessible to everyone. Beaches were not like they were owned, but not specifically set aside for public use. Right. right. So I guess like they were maybe just kind of like people used them, but they weren't actually designated like that, you know, actively. And, and I guess as probably more and more land became privatized, the need for for very specific designated public beaches. Uh, went up. And I, I've heard that this is, um, there's a whole huge fight about this in California because I know there's a lot of property owners who put up signs that right. are like, private beach, you can't come through here. Like, this is a private access way. They'll even like lock gates and stuff, but it's not true. Like, the, the beaches are public, they've been designated public. And so, this fight over sort of who gets to get, who gets access to the beach, I think, is still like weirdly active and underway. Right. It's like, Mother Nature belongs to everyone. Yes. And it should. Property is theft. Wait, too far too far to the left. <laughs> <laughs> I have one other comment which is which is just and it's a similar it's a similar riff, but you know, I, I, I left New York City a few years ago and so now I live upstate and so nature has become a, a bigger part of my life. And one of the things that I'd never thought about is 
sort of the infrastructure of nature access. Like, like around here, there's like a ton of trails and b biking trails, and you can go for hundreds of miles even, you know, on this trail system. And it's really glorious, but it takes like, it takes, you know, public dedication. It takes, you know, tax, uh, tax money. Sometimes there's like other parties involved, but it's, you don't, you tend not to think about kind of like natural infrastructure and all the policy and work that goes into making just being able to appreciate the outdoors possible. But but sort of that beach is a real example of like someone had to actually say this is going to be for public use. And uh, and what a beautiful thing. More 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 of that in general, I think, please. <laughs> Okay, so now we fly from the shores of Revere to a garden in North Carolina for our last listener voicemail of the day about the wind phone. A wind phone, as in like a, like a telephone, but for the wind. Exactly. Hi, I'm Susan. I love your podcast. Thank you for doing it. In Marshall, North Carolina, north of Asheville, you can take a one-lane gravel road to the wind phone. And there you you can park and you walk up to this white, old-fashioned, it looks like almost a British phone booth. And there's gardens all around it. It's really beautiful. But anyway, you go inside and inside you pick up a disconnected 1940s uh, rotary phone and you call your deceased loved ones. And they say that your words travel in the wind to those you love via the wind phone. And so people travel from all over the country to make calls on this phone or they leave mail in the wind mail mailbox. And it's a special place. It's like a replica of a site in Japan where a guy really missed his cousin and came up with this idea so he could call his cousin whenever he wanted. And then a tsunami came and thousands of people lost their loved ones and they flooded the um, the wind phone there. And um, so a nearly identical one came up in the United States to support COVID folks and people who are grieving. And everybody loses somebody, so it's a place for everyone to come and have some peace. And it's magic. I'd heard about the one in Japan, you know, after the tsunami, a lot of people just sort of disappeared. And there's something about speaking to a, a loved one in this formal way, knowing that you're it's a disconnected line, but there's sort of this, you're stepping into this like little box, this special little space of communication. Like, it's really touching. And I'm, it's, I think it's very lovely that, that that's like a spreading phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I... This phone booth is also placed in a garden. You know, you're connected again with Mother Nature. And there's just something special when you are by yourself and it's just you and nature that bring up all these feelings. I, I like that. I really think that's beautiful. Thanks for picking out such wonderful voicemails, Manolo. These are, these are fantastic, and uh, I look forward to the next batch. If you want to submit your own voicemail, we would love to hear from you. Tell us about a wonder in your backyard, or a magical place you traveled to, or tell us about a memorable person you met while traveling. Record a voice memo and send it to hello at atlasobscura.com. 
or call and leave a message at 315-992-7902. 315-992-7902. I'll be listening. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Chris Naka, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll talk to you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, A thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.